I just want to start this teaching off here today just by saying a simple statement, and here it is. It's a different world that today's kids are growing up in than the one that you grew up in. How many would agree with that, parents? It's the truth. The world has changed. What's the number one way the world has changed? A technology, absolutely. Good night. When, 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 uh, when grandma said log on, <laughs> that meant she was cold, okay? That's the way that worked. It's a different world today. You know, and, and, and it might surprise you. As much as the world and the environment has changed, at their core, I don't believe that kids have changed a whole lot. And I'm going to talk about that here as we move forward. There's a famous quote, and here it is. Youth today loves luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should be working. Sounds like a young person you know, right? Well, that was a quote from Socrates 500 years before Jesus was born. That means that kids have been driving adults crazy for a long time. I mean, there's nothing new. And today's kids are still asking fundamental questions. They're asking things like, who am I? Does anybody like me? Am I okay? Can I get an allowance for doing nothing? You know, those type questions. And these are, these are questions about identity. They're questions about meaning and purpose in their lives. And the best way to understand kids today, and this is very important, is not to learn how different the kids are, but to have a good memory. See, if you can remember the feelings that you had when you were a child or when you were a teenager, those feelings are very similar to the feelings that your kids are having today. So, for example, you know, I could get mad at my kids. I could get disappointed at my kids for, for, for making appearance so important, you know, for, for labels and, and all of those things, you know, and, and how they look. I could say it's so immature. I could say, you know, you need to grow up. But then I remember what it was when I was growing up. Appearance was important to me. I grew up in the 70s. Saturday night fever, big bell bottoms, two-inch cuffs, silk shirts, gold chains, John Travolta. The best part was the platform shoes. I had four-inch platform shoes. You know, the worst day of my life was when platform shoes went out. I mean, it was rough. But listen, appearance management, it's important to all kids, all generations. Or certain shoes and, and shirts and pants and, and, and the tears in the right spots in the jeans, you know? That's big. But parents, hey, be of good cheer. It all passes. Fads change, don't they? Do you remember sagging? That was just not that long ago. And now it's kind of gone. Yeah. That's where the kids would wear their boxer shorts up to their, you know, up to their chest and their pants would be down around their, their knees. It wasn't comfortable. You couldn't hardly walk. But I know I tried it. And, uh, my wife said, stop that. You're scaring the kids, you know? It's the way it worked. But a good memory, a good memory of when you were a child, plus a good understanding of where today's culture is, makes you a good parent or grandparent. And let me speak to the grandparents. Grandparents, you are so important in the lives of students today and so important in the lives of children. Believe me, you are so influential in their lives. We got to be like the group that's seen in First Chronicles, the men of Isaacar. All these men understood the temper of the times, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. 
We're talking about being parents, grandparents of Isaac are, to understand the temper of the times. That's what it says. What's happening around us? And to plan and chart a course for good parenting and good grandparenting. See, if we're aware of the times, we just have to realize that it's a different world today, a different environment than we grew up in. In the past, you know, kids entertained themselves, right? We rode bikes, we built forts, we played outside. I mean, today, kids are entertained by the media. If you tell a kid inside the house, hey, go outside and play, they will look at you like you just step off of a UFO. What are you telling me to do? Do you know? And you know, in the past, there was... Somebody just grab that. God bless you. Okay. But truthfully, in the past, and you'll get this, there was innocence of childhood. You know? Now children are exposed to everything at a very early age. In the past, there was a nat national consensus of values, but today, everybody's values are just left up to themselves. There used to be objective truth. Now there's subjective truth. And so where all this comes into play, if we're going to be parents and grandparents, good grandparents and uh, grandparents in this world, we've got to understand today's world. And we've got to use some of the phrases we use. One of the best ones is this, when I was your age. Boy, we like that one. Hey, when I was your age, here's the deal. You were never their age. You're never their age. You were never their age in this age. See, it's like comparing a Little League baseball team to Major League World Series, right? Same game, right? You know, you, you've got, you know, players, nine players on the field. They run, they, they hit, they bat, they steal bases, they do it, they throw, you know, they inject steroids, basically. But, uh, but it's a much different context, isn't it? And, it's, it, it's, it? and because it's a much different context, it's a whole different ball game. You were never their age in this age. It's different. But you can either curse that difference or you can find ways to parent within the differences to make all of that work. And that's the win. That's the win. And that's what we're about here today. That's what we're talking about. Now, I don't need to tell you, children are growing up too soon. And, and, and it's confusing them. Today's kids are just confused. Children are too old too soon, and teenagers and young adults, they're still children, you know. That's the way it works, and there's just a lot of confusion about who am I? You know, am I a child? Am I an adult? And I get the confusion. It's a confusing society that we live in. We send all these different messages. I mean, think about it. You're an adult, according to Bear Aspirin, at what age? Twelve. Thank you, Pastor Luke. I could tell he's been firing those bare aspirins into his children all these years. It's beautiful. Twelve, you're an adult, right? You're an adult to go to a movie, or you can see a movie without your parents at what, what age? Thirteen, PG-13. To drive, how old? See, these aren't trick questions, folks. You can blurt them out, all right? Here we go. Sixteen, to vote or go into the military. To drink alcohol. Oh, that disturbs me that you know that that well. You knew that just too well. All right, let's move on. How old do you have to be to rent a vehicle? 25 to be an adult. You see this? That's just confusing. Think of this one. How old do you have to be to get an adult fare on an airline? Two. Two years old. You win the prize. Dinner for one at Burger World for that woman right there. Okay. Two years old. Get this. 
So look at the confusion. I'm an adult anywhere from the age of 2 to 25. And people say, no, you're not an adult till you get married. But people are getting married way older, or not even getting married. And then you've got other people that say, you know, you've got to go through puberty. That's when it all happens. But that's happening so much younger. And then other people say, well, you're not an adult until you're finally independent. In which case, none of us are adults. That's the way that works. But I think a classic mistake that we make, parents, is that we don't make adjust adjustments as our kids change through life. See, kids are changing all of the time. And those changes are good. The changes are positive. They're important. But we have to change with them. See, if, let me just give you an example. When kids are little, you, you can get them to do things like their chores just by making a game out of it. It's easy to do. You know, laying on the couch. Hey, buddy, come over here. Hey, you know what? I, I, let's play a game. I, I really think that you can, I think you can get that trash from the backyard onto the curb out front in under three minutes. I think, you, do you think you can do that? Yeah, I think so, Dad. Yeah. You think you want to try? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to time you. Ready, set, go. Boom. He comes back about three or four minutes later. How'd I do, Dad? He's all sweaty. You know, how'd I do? How'd I do? Well, <laughs> you did pretty good, son. But we're going to have to practice every Wednesday night to make sure that you get this down. <laughs> it's so important. Now, fast forward that a couple of years, a few years, same child, same kid. Now he's an adolescent. Now he's a teenager. He's sitting there on his third hour of his video game. And you walk up to that kid and you say, hey, buddy, let me time you. Let's see how quick you can get the trash from the backyard to the front. What's that kid going to do? He's going to look at you and say, dude, are your legs broken? You know, it's just the way it is. And all of a sudden, we, we as parents go, they're so rebellious. What in a rebellious child? He's not rebellious. He's just thinking differently. And you have to parent him not like a child anymore, but where he's at in his life. See, this, this kid is sitting there and he's going, hey, look, I've learned over these years. This isn't about speed. This is about mobility. And neither of us right now want to be mobile. See, so the key here is we've got to parent to their changes. Write that down. We've got to parent to their changes. And that's why we've got to understand the times and what they're going through. Let's face it, one of your major roles in parenting, and hear this, is to move children from dependence on parents, on you, to independence, and then to dependence on God. That's our role as parents. Now, let me tell you, the, the different stages bring different challenges. But the most challenging stage for me, and I think for most of us, is that first stage. It's moving kids from the, the dependence on parents to independence. I mean, I, I raised two kids, and I'm going to tell you, this was the most hurtful time as a parent, where these kids are, 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 are kind of pushing away, you know? When they're asking the question, they're saying, who am I apart from mom and dad? And they disengage a little bit. It just hurts, you know, when they say, hey, do I have to come to dinner tonight, you know, or do I have to go on vacation with the family? Can I just stay with a friend? Or dad, why don't you just drop me off here in front so my friends don't see you? Or dad, you're going to wear that tonight? You're really going to embarrass me, that type of stuff. You know what it's like. And when kids disengage, here's what happens to a lot of parents. Parents disengage, you know, their feelings are hurt. Okay, you don't want me, you don't want my time, okay. You can just be on your own. Just go right ahead. But listen, it's part of the process. 
See, parents and grandparents, you got to listen to me. When kids disengage, you cannot disengage. You have to engage stronger than ever. They need you during that time more than they've ever needed you. And I don't care what you hear other people think. Say, say, you know, they'll say peers and media are the most influential things in kids' lives. I've heard that. But every study you look at, secular studies, Christian studies, every study, it all says that parents are still the most influential people in a kid's life. Now, listen, absolutely. That's a good thing. You got to know that where, where peers and media have influence is when parents check out. It's when significant adults check out of their life and they disengage. See, listen, kids need for us to be there. They need you to help them to grow into responsible adults. God's design for the family is that parents would teach the children and that they would be there for the children. Look at what Proverbs 22 says. It says, teach your children to choose the right path. And when they're older, they will remain on it. So we must understand the time we live in and that it's a different world. And, and, and it's so important. But let me kind of shift gears a little bit here and, and just go after this idea of what do kids need in this different world that we live in. And I'm going to be very practical here. I wish I had three weeks on this, but I just kind of boil it down to three points, okay? That, that, that kids, things that kids need from caring adults, whether you're a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, or just influencing kids. Listen, here's what they need. Are you ready? First, they need affirmation. Affirmation. No child gets enough affirmation. I never met a kid that said to me, you know, you got to stop it with this. With this encouraging me, man, I'm done with that. You know, I just can't take it anymore. It's too much. I'm up to here with your encouragement. I've never heard that from a kid. And I'm guessing, parents, that you're a lot like me. And you like to hang around people that like you. Yeah. And, and, and you don't like to hang around people that criticize you and don't like you. And listen, your kids, no different. So if you're constantly on their case, if you're constantly negative, browbeating them, guess what? You're, you're actually conditioning them to avoid you because they would rather be with people that like them. And what does affirmation do for kids? It actually encourages positive behavior in their lives because you affirm what you want to see repeated and it gives approval that they are looking for from their parents. See, kids are ultimately looking for approval from mom and dad. You never outgrow that. When my son was young, he had two favorite words. Watch this. Yeah, I mean, dad, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this. I remember we would be in the youth, uh, uh, we, we met in the choir room, youth back in the, in, in the days when I was youth pastor here. And uh, that's where the cafe is now. And uh, I remember he had steps and all that. And I'd be talking with someone, I can see it right now, where you go, dad, watch this, watch this, watch this. Finally, I'd stop and turn to my son. He'd be on like, you know, a step and he'd go... Yeah, I just jump right. It was a step, probably half that high. Wow, Dad! Oh, that's great, son. Boy, you're going to be a ski jumper someday. But it was always, Dad, watch this, watch this, watch this. And now, kids, when they get older, I mean, they tone it down a little bit, but it's still their heart. You know, as they get older, they want you to watch. They want you to notice. They want you to comment. My parents, up to the day they died, both of them. Honestly, I wanted affirmation. For, I, I was, I would call them and tell them all the great things that were happening in my life just to hear them say, we're so proud of you, son. I was in my 50s and I was still doing that. You never get away from that. 
It's always in you, and our kids have that. Now, let's slice this a little bit thinner, this affirmation thing. What are we talking about here? Well, my challenge to you is to affirm character in your children. The behavior that's connected to character. Because think about it, in today's culture, and this has been for many, for many, many years, here's what kids are affirmed on. We call it the four A's. Appearance, athletics, academics, and the arts. That's where they get their strokes, their warm fuzzies. But you and I know that you can have a brilliant, good-looking athlete who's artsy, but he's a terrible human being. Okay? So you've got to affirm the character qualities in their lives. So it's things like this. Well, I was really proud of you, honey. I was proud of you, the way you handled that situation. Or, man, I, I was proud of you, babe, the way that, you know, you helped your mom without us having to ask you. Or son, you know, man, I was looking at your report card, and it was just so obvious that you're not cheating. <laughs> maybe, maybe that hadn't happened to you, but uh, <laughs> in there. So uh, you look for character traits. You look for those behaviors. Another thing under this affirmation, and I want to encourage you, uh, get to, this is a great suggestion, but take it to heart, is don't qualify your praise, parents. You know what I mean by that? We, we, we used to call them backhanded compliments. You throw a qualifier in there. That's not affirmation. Kind of like saying, you know, yeah, for a fat guy, you don't sweat much. You know, it's that type of thing. It's not a compliment. So you look at a kid's report card. B plus. That's good. But, you know where I'm going, right? But, worked a little harder, you get an A minus. See? Great football game, son. You played great. But, let's talk about that fumble. You know? See, the Bible has a lot to say about the words that come out of our mouths. And the power of these words that dictate what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your soul. You know, Proverbs chapter 12 says it this way. The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. See, what I'm suggesting to you here is your words are life-giving. To your kids, they're life-giving. They're memorable. They're powerful. And another thing, let me say one more thing about this affirmation. And that is, I would suggest parents don't use modifiers. You know, you know what I'm talking about, because your, your kids will live up to that modifier. Here's Jill. You know, this is my baby. She's the shy one. And she, you know, hides behind mom, you know, and kind of shakes a little bit. She's living up to that modifier. She's heard it a million times. She's living up to the modifier. You know, it's, here's Kevin. You know, he's my wild child, you know. As Kevin, you know, lets out a blood-curling scream, runs out the door, and sets a tree on fire outside. That's the way it works. Affirm, affirm, affirm. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. Kids need affirmation. There's a second thing they need. They need communication. Communication. And this is big. See, when kids fail to learn good communication skills, they find themselves not able to, to uh, function in life like they should. You know, their job and the relationships. You know, interpersonal skills. That's what we're talking about here. People skills. And they've got to learn to communicate to survive in this world. And, and here's the deal. Here's the deal with kids. They learn to communicate by talking with adults. See, that's where they learn, they, by talking to adults. But, and here's the big but, is kids also learn at a very, very young age that when adults want to talk to you, it's usually not a good thing. You know, you're usually in trouble. So I'm sitting in a homeroom over the loudspeaker. Brad Baker, come to the principal's office. Whoa. Now, everybody in the class, they let out a gasp. They look at me. Now, they're not thinking at that moment, hey, Brad and the principal, they must be good buds. They're going to have some coffee together. That's not what they're thinking. 
They're thinking, Brad brought a hand grenade to school today and he's in trouble. That's the way it works. He's busted, see? And you know, as a youth, I was a youth pastor here for 20 years on this campus. And, and, and it's a constant question that I got from parents over those 20 years. What do you do when you have those kids with you for those two hours that you're having your service? What are you guys doing? And I would say, why do you ask? And they would say over and over, well, it's because I get my young person in the car. And I asked him, what'd you guys do tonight? Nothing. Nothing. What? So all I'm getting is nothing. So what are you guys doing? Parents usually fail to realize that the stock answer for kids is nothing. See, early on, they, they realize the less I say, the smaller target I'm painting on my chest to be shot at. It's always the answer. And what was that mushroom cloud over the school? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I heard there was a fight going on. What'd you do? Oh, nothing. You know, all those type things. You know, nothing, nothing. What was Lady Gaga wearing at the concert? Nothing. You know, one of those deals. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the question is. Nothing is going to be the answer. So parents, we have to create these environments where kids will talk and where they're not fearful that we're just going to jump down their throats. So... Even when they're very small, I think it's important to have a goal, to, to, to create a dialogue, to have more conversation with your kids, to take time. We're so quick to rush away from the dinner table and get behind the computer, or turn on the TV. Just take time. God's designed for his family. God designed for parents to talk to their kids to teach them, to train them, to talk to them, to develop a relationship with them. God said, and this is, there's some biggies here. God says, I want you to love me and follow my commands. And then he says, as you love me and follow my commands, what I want you to do is to pass that on to your own kids. Look at Deuteronomy 6. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey, when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. We've got to talk to our kids. And it changes a lot as they get older. And I don't want to stand before you here and say, hey, it's, it's, an e it's easy. Oh, that's easy stuff. It's not. I get that. And different stages of their life, seasons of their life are totally different. Junior high was the roughest time for me with my kids. It was tough. My daughter, I couldn't even understand her. She talked so fast. Yeah, and I couldn't. Even, finally, I just say, just text me, would you? I'll get it. This talking thing, parents. It's not just talking. Hear this. When it's convenient to you, you talk to kids on their terms, in their time. See, and that's why I feel it's so important. Hear this. Parents, just a simple suggestion. When you're in the car, don't talk on the phone. One thing, it's not real safe. But another thing is, man, you got your kids in the car. That's, that's gold, man. You, you've got them. You've got a captive audience right there. Unless they, you know, open the door and jump out, which has happened. But you've got them. Seriously, you've got them. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that moment, of that time? If you talk on your phone, you're just being foolish. It really is. Because what you're doing is you're building bridges of communication that last for the rest of your lives. And that's priceless. It's priceless. Yeah, yeah, that's a good place. And there's a third area. Are you still with me here today? Okay, all right. There's a third area. This is really huge. The third area kids need from caring adults is that they need to be taught responsibility. Now, many people wonder why, and I hear this, I really hear this all the time. 
Kids today, they're so irresponsible. Maybe you've even said that. Let me help you with this. It's not genetic. See, kids have to learn responsibility. And who are their teachers? Us. That's it. You know, it's going to sound different from when your kids are talking to their kids than when our parents talk to us about their generation. You remember those talks. It's like when my dad would sit me down and I asked him for a quarter and he'd go through a big speech. Oh, well, let me tell you. I used to walk to school, both, you know, uh, barefoot, 10 miles a day, uphill, both ways, snow up to here, after milking the cows. I never understood that because my parents both lived in the city. I never understood this cow milking thing, okay? But that was my parents' story. Today's kids, what are they going to say to their kids? <laughs> Boy, you guys have it so easy. I had it so rough. One time, my parents made me make my own sandwich. <laughs> you think you got it tough. One time, I had to supervise the house cleaner. Oh, man. You, you think you got it. Why, oh, you got it easy, see. So here's my question. What are you doing in your family to give your kids real responsibility, to help them be responsible people? I believe there's several ways to do it, but I just put a couple right there in your notes. First, chores. Chores help to make kids responsible people. It helps, right? It helps them to build skills. And let me just tell you, parents, we all know, if you want a job done right, do it yourself. But this is one of those cases where you gotta let that go because you give it to your kids and you gotta let them build. You let, let, let them learn. Give it away. Chores. But another biggie is this. And this is the biggest. Consequences. That helps kids to learn responsibility. And this is what I see in parents today. I see a lot of parents who handicap their kids by making it too easy for them, by rescuing them all the time. You know, kids need to experience consequences for their behaviors, for the way that they think, for all of the things that happen. They need consequences. See, the Bible says this, a prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. See, we, we don't allow children to suffer from consequences. They're going to remain simpletons. And I don't even know what that is, but it sounds terrible. No, you know, no it says they'll never be a prudent person, Okay. They'll stay a simpleton. They won't mature. They won't build self-esteem and exercising power over their consequences. And there's two types of consequences we're talking about here. One is the natural consequence. What's a natural consequence? It's where you touch a stove and it's hot and you go, whoa, that's hot. And you learn. I'm not going to do that again. Okay? Let me make an example with your kids. Like your, your, your child forgets their lunch when they go to school, right? So they go to school. What's the natural consequence? They're going to be hungry. That's right. Now, the rescuer is going to jump in. The rescuers and grandparents are terrible about this. They're going to jump in and they're going to say, I don't want that child to go hungry. He can't go hungry for a day. And so I'm going to rescue them because, you know what, they'll starve. Well, let me just set your mind at ease. Let me help you out here. I've done some research on this. It takes over 65 days to starve to death. Okay? <clears throat> so your child is not going to starve from one day. Okay? And when they're hungry, guess what they learn? They learn that taking lunch to school is their responsibility and not your responsibility. See how that works? That's a natural consequence. And then there's the logical consequences, and those come in when the natural consequences end, okay? Things like rules, you know, curfew, uh, homework. 
things that apply to basic obedience, you know. Usually we make these with our children. So it will be an objective reality and it will work. What are the consequences when you break the rules of the home? And kids won't tell you this, but hear this. They want rules. They want rules. They want discipline. They want boundaries. And rules and discipline are boundaries in this world that we live in today. See, kids need a sense of security. That's what they want. They want to feel secure in an insecure world that's falling apart all around them. And discipline, you it, it communicates love. It's one of the ways that God loves us. Proverbs 3, my child, don't ignore when the Lord disciplines you. And don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. See, the whole idea here of experiencing consequences, having boundaries and rules, it may be one of the most loving things that you can do for your kids. You understand things they don't understand. See, and they need you. They need responsibility. Which brings us to the last three things I want to look at in just as we land this plane, okay? We've talked about what, par- what kids need. I want to talk about what parents need before we go. Three things that I believe parents or significant adults need in raising your children. First of all, parents need to battle wisely. They need to battle wisely. What I mean by this is this. If you don't battle wisely, you'll be battling all the time. You know, I've learned as a parent that if I want to be ticked off, <laughs> I can be ticked off 24-7, right? And nobody wants to live in a home like that, including me. So the idea here is you save your energy for the stuff that really matters. Because if you get mad and you scream and yell at everything, you'll never be heard when it really matters. So the question you got to ask, is that really a big deal? I mean, is this really a big deal to make a big deal about? Because everything can't be a big deal. How your kid wears his hair, you know, how he keeps his room. Maybe to some of you that's huge, but I think those are just things. you got to ask, is that a hill that I'm willing to die on? Is this a big deal or do I want to save my energy and, and keep my young person focused on the important things like encourage him to have a sensitivity and a hunger for God in his life, to make sure that he's coming to youth group, to make sure that he's in church when the doors are open. See, that's why as parents, we have to beg for God's wisdom. Proverbs 2 says, cry out for insight and understanding. Search for it as you would for lost money or hidden treasure. The Lord gives wisdom. You don't just pray for your kids, parents. We beg God. God, give me the wisdom in this situation. Because if I'm going to do it in my own wisdom, I'm just going to yell and scream. And I need your help. Second thing parents need is... The second thing that parents need to do is don't give up. Don't give up. Hang on, parents. You don't give up. I realize some of you are battling right now. I get it, but don't give up. You know, when my wife first got pregnant, uh, you know, we just didn't know. I just didn't know. You know, she was getting sick and all of that. We were at camp and, the, and all the ladies go, I, I think you're pregnant. And, and I, I was looking at her. I'm going, you know, you don't look pregnant. You know, she goes, look, don't be fooled. Something's going on in here. And it's really this morning sickness principle that I think is very important. It goes like this. Process doesn't always look like progress. You hear that? Process doesn't always look like progress. Parents, for some of you, you're in the process of bad report cards. 
of rudeness, negative behavior, lack of communication. You're in this process and it's wounding you. It hurts. And you don't think there's any progress going on with your kids at all. And you're going, it doesn't add up. It's, it's not, this isn't what I bought in for as a parent. I didn't think it'd be this way. I, I can remember being with my wife on the couch and she'd say, oh, the baby just kicked. Did you feel it? Can you feel it? And I put my hand over there and I'll tell you, I couldn't feel a thing. But I'd say, oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm sure it's there. You know, I, yeah, I'd repent later. But yeah, honey, it's there. I didn't get it. See, I didn't feel the kicks. I didn't know, but I, I didn't see the progress. You know, I didn't see it happening. It wasn't what I expected. Even when the baby was born, you know, that baby comes out. And I always saw these babies on TV and they're so clean and beautiful. And here's my kid looking like a slimy mess. You know, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this child all wrinkled up, look like Benjamin Button, you know, and I'm sitting there going. And with tears in my eyes, I looked at my wife and said, honey, I hate to tell you, but you just gave birth to E.T. It's terrible. It's just weird. You know, it, it, listen, some of you have deep concern right now, and I get it. You got deep concern that your child, it's just not what you hope for. And all I can say to you is this, don't give up. You give up, it's too soon. You can't give up. See, the good news is God hasn't given up on you, has he? If he hasn't given up on you, don't give up on your kids. Look at what Philippians says. God began the good work within you and will continue his work until it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Don't give up. Jesus isn't giving up on you. That's awesome. He's going to finish that work. Don't give up. And then the third thing. I left the most important for the last. Listen, what parents need is to get the right relationship right. The most loving thing that you can do for your kids, parents, is you can fall deeper in love with Jesus. So you see, the Bible, it's, it's, not, it's not a parenting book. The Bible is a life manual. But everything I talked about here today, it's pretty well bankrupt if it doesn't draw from the reservoir of God's power that he's made available through Jesus. See, and if you're in a peace-filled home, you're going to have a peace-filled heart. If you want that, you got to have a peace-filled heart. The biblical word for peace is absence of war, absence of conflict. It means you can't be at war between you and God. You can't be at war with others. You can't be at war with your kids. The most loving thing that you can do, parents, is be at peace with God. And the truth is, it happens when you make Jesus the central focus of your life. And when he's the central focus of your life, he gives you his presence. He gives you his power. And he brings peace into your life and into your home. Now, I can't do this parenting thing on my own power. I couldn't. I, I, I just can't. I need his power. I've tried. It just doesn't work. I need his power in my life. I need his presence in my life so I can be at peace. And when his peace comes in to your home, it's a game changer. That's when you realize this is what life is all about. Would you stand to your feet with me as we close in prayer? Go ahead and bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray for you. But before I pray... I'm just going to ask those of you here today, heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't want anybody looking around. Let's say, Brad, that's what I need. I, I need the peace of God right now. I feel that I'm in conflict. Maybe it's not just in your home. Maybe you're not even a parent. But I don't feel that peace in my life. I, I see in my life a lot of conflict, a lot of difficulty, and it's just not working for me. And more than anything today, I see that I need peace. 
I need Jesus to become the central focus of my life. Because when that happens, peace comes. And that peace is transferred to everyone in your home and everyone around. So if you're here today and you say, Brad, you're talking right to me right now. Would you pray for me? I want to see your hand right now. Just lift it up. I don't know who to pray for. All over this building. All over this building. <laughs> Hundreds of hands. You can go ahead and put them down. I want us to pray. There's many of you that lifted your hand. And you've never really opened up your life to Jesus. You've never really accepted him and let him take control. Let me just tell you, that's where it all begins. When he takes control, that's when things start moving the way that God had planned and prepared from the beginning of time for your life. Just pray this prayer with me. And I believe as you do, God's going to do something special within you. Let's all pray. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I need you today. I need you to come into my life. I need you to bring me the peace that I'm searching for. So Jesus, I ask you to be the central focus of all I do. Forgive me of my sins. Start a relationship with me. Start it today. I thank you, Jesus, for loving me and for coming into my life. I'm going to serve you, Lord, every single day in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. How many of you as parents, we're going a little bit long, but hang with me here. We've had a lot going on here today, but I want to pray for you. You'd say, Brad, this is a word for me today. I, I just really feel that I need help. Maybe it's your children's children that need the help. But you say, I, 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 just, I just want you to pray God's blessing and he'll give us wisdom. He'll give me wisdom on how to raise my kids and raise my family. And this time, would you raise your hand right now? I'm going to pray for you. Father, you see these hands. Parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. God, you see the struggles that they're going through. And I pray, Lord, that right now, your love and your grace will just surround them. Show them how much you care. How much you care for their children. And how much you want them. And you want them to be the parents that you've called them to be. Help them, Lord to seek your wisdom every day. Give them the guidance, give them the direction so that their children will know you, serve you, and love you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for watching this message today. I believe that right now as you're watching this video, God is speaking to your heart. God is speaking to you about a new life, a new future, a new hope. The Bible says that the way we connect with God is we actually call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's almost like taking your cell phone out and making a call to somebody that you really love. You're making the call. And I want to encourage you to make the call to God today. And as you do, he promises to forgive your sins, to adopt you into his family, and to give you a hope and a future. So today, if you are ready to call upon the name of the Lord, would you just close your eyes right now and just sincerely say these words to God. Dear Heavenly Father, just say those words. I ask you today to be the leader of my life, 
I ask you to forgive me for my sins and adopt me into your family. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. So I give you my heart today. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer, he heard you and he forgave you. So I want to say to you, welcome to the family of God. Go find a great church to be involved in. If you don't have one, come join us here at Dream City, and we'll help you live out the Christian faith and grow closer to Jesus. God bless you all.